Welcome to Streams from the River, the podcast from the River Church RVA with pastor-teacher Michael Kraft. I know you'll be blessed by the teaching today, so open your hearts and let's get straight into today's message. All righty, so where are we going to go? Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says that we make our plans, but the Lord orders our steps. Amen. So every day, in every way, we're asking the Lord Jesus to allow our lives to be a reflection of who he is. How many of you know you can't script that? You can go to church in a lot of places these days, and it's fairly scripted. We've been scripted in a lot of ways. And I, I don't mind uh, having a, uh, a pattern as long as it's a pattern. But when the real thing shows up, amen, when the type and shadow become the manifestation of the real, then I want to go with that. So we're on a journey. We are on a journey. And uh, my greatest prayer right now is that God will use our time together to equip you, to equip us as a body to make a difference in our community. All right. And so that's my sincere heart. And so I'm, I, I prepare the way that I always prepare. At the same time, I'm ready to go wherever God wants to go. And I want you as the body to be sensitive, okay, uh, to what he may be saying to you, speaking through you. And, you know, every week's not going to be the same. because uh, Some weeks are going to be show. Some weeks are going to be t- tell. Some weeks are going to be show and tell. All right. Some weeks are, are going to be, well, I don't know what God's doing, but he's doing such a deep thing that you just don't get it. It'll show up later. Right. So um, that's what the Lord's been showing me is that it's, it's really at the end of the day, it's all about learning how to yield, how to surrender. All right. Now, surrender to some folks is a nasty word because we don't like to surrender. That kind of has the connotation of defeat, doesn't it? So we're going to take it from defeat and put it into the hand, and we're going to celebrate Jesus. Amen? Amen. Uh-huh. Now, there's no such thing as, well, there are defeat in the body, but there is no such as defeat in the body. Just victory in Jesus. Amen. So um, when you look at what God is doing, what he did here uh, last week, what do you think made the difference? Was it, was it something, was it just a fluke? Was it something that we just kind of fell up into? Or was it something that perhaps was orchestrated by the Holy Spirit? You know? I like to think that it was the Holy Spirit. Because I sure did feel out of my comfort zone, but man, it sure was fun. It sure was wonderful. And... um I'm thinking about uh, surrender and surrendering our mind and our emotions to the present work of what the Holy Spirit is doing. Because you see, our commitment to Jesus doesn't really make any difference if we're not surrendered first. 
okay? And if that doesn't make any sense right now, just, just hold on and I pray that the Holy Spirit opens our eyes this morning because I want to look at the difference between commitment and surrender. And there's a very significant difference. And I think about Palm Sunday and I think about this week and, and, and what took place and the significance of that to our faith and the significance of what that means to you and I. What does that mean in our individual life? If Jesus said, follow me, and one day they're saying, hail to the king, and the next day they're saying, to hell with the king, or you're not even a king, and you know, how, what does that say about our journey? Does it say anything that one day you feel like you're on top of the world and everybody's for you and the kingdom is manifesting everywhere and the next day, man, you don't know what's happening nowhere and you're not sure of yourself or you don't have any confidence to step out on anything? How do we position ourselves when it doesn't feel like it did when, when it is the way that we want it to be, right? I mean, if you had the choice of experiencing joy all of the time, or experiencing trials and tribulations, which would you choose? Anybody choose trials and tribulations? I mean, even if you knew that trials and tribulations work perseverance, and perseverance character, and character does uh, hope, and hope doesn't make a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart, trials and tribulation, man, they work for you. Joy works for, it's a gift for others, Right? How many of you want some trials and tribulation? <laughs> you already got them. Yeah, it's like, man, you don't have to ask for them. They're already there. It's, it really, it's a matter of how you position yourself in the midst of them that, that counts, right? Because the Bible says there's no trial or temptation, but such as is common to man. But Jesus said he'll make a way of escape that you're able to bear it. Guess what that way of escape is? It's not something. It's not somewhere. It's someone. It's Jesus. Amen. He is the way of escape. So I want to look at, uh, at Jesus, uh, in the garden because he had the, he had the last supper and what a significant time that was. Jesus was with the 12 and he knew that he was about to be betrayed. And yet at the beginning of the Lord's supper, he gets up and he washes the disciples feet. He washes Judas's feet. And he, and he, he washes Peter's feet and he knows that before the night is over that he's going to be betrayed and he's going to be denied three times. And yet Jesus, it takes the form of a servant. That's the lowest job that a servant could perform is to wash someone's feet. It's the equivalent of washing somebody's car today. All right. That's how they travel. Their feet got dirty. So one of these days we're going to do a car wash here. That's our way of, uh, of washing the community's feet and demonstrating the love of Jesus. Amen. And so it's amazing to me the way that, uh, that Jesus postured himself, knowing what was about to take place, knowing that, uh, that he was going to return to the Father, that he was going to be glorified with the Father, that the glory that he had before he came would be manifest, that we would begin to see and partake of that same glory because he came to earth to be seated with us, to be crucified on the cross, so that we could be seated with him in heavenly places, far above every <clears throat> high thing, principality and power and <clears throat> that exalts itself against the, the name of Jesus. Jesus 
became sin so that we could become righteousness, right? So his life is an example that you and I are called to follow. We're called to imitate, right? That's what the word follow means in the Greek. And so Jesus, when he's in the garden, he's, he's, a, he's about to reach the pinnacle, the very purpose that the father sent him. He didn't come just to be born of the virgin. He didn't come just to bring the Sermon on the Mount. He didn't come just to raise Lazarus from the dead. Those were all testimonies. Those were signs that pointed something and teachings that made you wonder. They made you think, but they all pointed to something. And at the end of the day, where were they to point? They were to point to the cross. They were to point to the cross where he who knew no sin became sin for us. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die for our sin. He died as our sin. He died as your sin so that when he was raised, you could be raised as he was raised. And so that all power and authority that was given to him was delegated back to us as the church so that we could go into the highways and to the byways and go into every nation and make disciples. We're not supposed to go into the nations and invite people to come to church. We're, we, as the church, are supposed to go into the nation and make disciples. How many of you think there's a difference? How many of you think that we need an upgrade? All right. And listen, this is going to be so natural. Going into all of the world and making disciples is not something that you have to do. It's something that you get to do. It's something that will be your greatest delight. It's something that you will hunger and thirst for because when you taste and see that the Lord is good, man, you can't help but to share good news with other people, right? You see, if the gospel is not good news to you, it's not going to be good news to anybody else, right? So if the gospel isn't good news, if we just say it's good news because it's called the gospel and that means good news, but we're not experiencing the good news, then there's something missing. There's something missing. So if you're not experiencing the almost too good to be true gospel in your life, can I tell you that there's something missing? And God's not getting ready to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But can I tell you, he is he's invited us and he's called us to be changed, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. What does that mean? That we begin to see things the way that Jesus sees them. Amen. When we see in a situation, we see God moving, man, we do the same. We follow that pattern. We think what Jesus thinks. We say what Jesus said. How many of you know Jesus said some things that were offensive? How many of you say, know that Jesus said some bold things? I mean, can you imagine Lazarus? Four days in the tomb, wrapped up in everything. And Jesus says, roll away the stone. Can you see yourself doing that? Huh? You should. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you, now I'm not saying, listen, don't get in the flesh. Don't try to make this happen. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, man, you'll know. But can you send, see yourself standing up, throngs of people all around you, saying, roll away the stone. And then with a loud voice, I mean, of course, Jesus wept. Why did he weep? He wasn't weeping for Lazarus. He knew where Lazarus was. He knew he was going to be raised. He was weeping because of the unbelief of those who were around him. There was unbelief. 
And the only way you can combat unbelief is, is to give somebody a demonstration that they can believe. That's why Jesus said, what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven or rise and walk, but so that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, your sins are forgiven, rise and walk, pick up your mat and go home. Lazarus, come forth. Well, how many of you think faith came up? How many of you think faith rose? Woo, that would have, and yet on that day, nobody could be born again. On that day, nobody could be born again because Jesus had yet to go to the cross. He had to become sin on our behalf. All of the signs and wonders and everything don't mean anything if Jesus is not risen, if Jesus isn't crucified on our behalf, you see? But Jesus is risen. And the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead doesn't just visit you now and then. He dwells in you. Do you know what it means to dwell? Yeah, to take up permanent residence. Chase came and visited our house last week. It was great. And um, it's okay if I tell on you just a little bit. You know, when, when somebody dwells in your home, and darn it, I got up this morning and the Lord changed my message at 8.30. I didn't get here till 10.15. Oh, well, just go. But, but uh, Chase comes over and he's such a gentleman. He's not dwelt in my home. He, he came as a guest. And when he came, he stood inside of the, the entryway. I said, Chase, come on in. Make yourself at home. Chase just stood there. Stood there with his shoes on. And in the most respectful way that you could ever imagine, it was like, I've not been here before. I, I want to respect your home. I'm not going to come any further unless you invite me. And I want to make sure if you do invite me that you really mean it. Okay. So I said, Chase, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground, man. <laughs> come on in. And I, I, I got up and did a little of this myself. And the dogs came around and Chase came in and Made himself at home, little by little. I think that by the time he left, they were playing chess, I mean, Jaden had beat him, I don't know how many times, the five-move mate, you know, how many of you know that? But there's a difference between when somebody comes and just visits. It's nice to have a visitation of the Holy Spirit, but it should be different when he comes and he says, I'm going to dwell among you. See, so where does the Holy Spirit dwell? Does he dwell at 2206 East 100 Road? Does he dwell here? I'm glad you came in this morning, Chase. Take your shoes off. <laughs> See, some people think that, that the place that God dwells, and they know, they say it correctly, that he dwells in the church. We just don't know what the church is. We think that the church is four walls and a building. So if the Holy Spirit dwells in the church and the church has the same power that 
that Christ had, well, then you know what? When we go to church, we've got the power. Whatever happens if we realize that we are the church, that you are the church, that your body is the temple, is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Hmm. Maybe don't. That's too hard to comprehend. Receive it. Receive it. Say, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you have taken up your resonance and your habitation inside of this mortal body. And I'll tell you what, the Holy Spirit has come in. He is residing. He's bringing about transformation. But how many of you really want to grow? Okay, if you want to grow, you've got to let go. You've got to let go of control. You've got to let go of, of, of knowing how everything's going to happen. You've got to let go. If, if, if uh, Jesus is with his disciples in John chapter 9, they sent word that Lazarus was, was sick. And so they sent word and Jesus says, man, I, you know, uh, we're in the middle of watching a Netflix series and um, we got two more days until this thing is over. So we're just going to camp out because we've got to watch. What's one of the good series on Netflix? Anyhow, anybody? Heartland. Yeah. How many of you have watched Heartland? 13 seasons, man. That's a lot. It's a good show. And so if you were in the middle of what is middle of season six of Heartland and somebody said somebody was sick, and you had the ability to help them, wouldn't you want to go? What does Jesus do? He says, man, we're going to wait. You know, this, this sickness will not end in death. Okay. So chill out, get some popcorn, and let's finish watching the show. <laughs> not really. But what Jesus did is he always positioned himself to do what the Father was doing. You see, there are times where you know, when a sick individual came to Jesus and he said, uh, to the, like to the centurion, he just sent his word and healed the centurion's son. Sent him. The centurion goes home and inquires what time that his son was made well. And he finds out it was the same time that Jesus spoke the word, right? So Jesus can send his word and bring healing, right? There's times when a woman came with an issue of blood and, and she came up unawares and touched the hem of his garment. And when she touched, she was healed and Jesus felt virtue coming out of, somebody was putting a demand on the gift that was within him. Listen, everything that Jesus did, he did by and through the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't do anything except the Holy Spirit revealed to him. You see, he was baptized by John. The Holy Spirit came upon him. The Father said, this is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. And from that point, the Father or the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tested for 40 days. But that was fun. You see, he went into the Spirit led by the Spirit. But after going through the trials the temptations, the Bible says that he returned in the power of the Spirit. You see, there's a difference between being filled with the Spirit and being walking in the power of the Spirit. If you want to walk in the power of the Spirit, you've got to face 
and overcome your time in the wilderness. Okay? Well, that can't be the Holy Spirit. I rebuke that spirit. I, you know, leading me into trials and temptation. Well, guess what? We just read, or we didn't read, but I quoted out of Romans chapter five. Rejoice when you fall into various trials and temptations, knowing that the trial of your faith works patience. Let patience have its perfect work, or I guess patience works what? Works what? Anybody know? Perseverance, perseverance, character, character brings about hope and hope doesn't make a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in their heart. Wow. All of that happens. That, that works, that, that worked in the life of Jesus when he was being tempted in the wilderness. And so when he came out walking in the power, listen, the gospels are really, you could, the gospels are a picture of the work of the Holy Spirit through the head, okay? It's the Holy Spirit operating through the head, the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? How many of you know where I'm going with this? The book of Acts, we call it the Acts of the Apostles. Is it the Acts of the Apostles? Well, there's really two main apostles that you read about in the book of Acts, Peter and Paul, right? Really, it's the work of the Holy Spirit through the church, okay? The book of Acts is the book of the work of the Holy Spirit through the church. And you see how the Holy Spirit is working through the church to bring change and transformation to the entire world, right? To the entire world. They were up in the upper room, man. What were they doing? They knew Pentecost was coming. Jesus had been raised. They'd seen him for 40 days. He appeared to him many times, once to up to 500 people at the same time. Before he left, they gathered together and he says, you know, wait in Jerusalem. Because in a couple of days, he didn't say how many, but it was 10 days until Pentecost, right? He says, in a few days, you're going to be, you're going to receive power from on high. You're going to receive power from on high and you're going to be my witness. He didn't say you're going to go witnessing. He didn't say you were going to do witnessing. He said, you will be my witnesses. How many of you know there's a difference between knowing and being? Okay, you can know that you're a Christian, that you're a believer. But believing, there has to be what? Corresponding actions right? There has to be something evident, right? And so that's what God's looking for. He's looking for, he's looking for evidence, right? And so the Holy Spirit comes, they're waiting in fear, and all of a sudden, like a rushing mighty wind, man, in that four-walled building, the church was born. Not the four walls, nothing was born there, but inside of those four walls, the church was born. Because in the same way that Jesus was baptized and the spirit came down like a dove, man, why? Because they only had one recipient, Jesus. But in the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, the spirit descended like a mighty rushing wind. Why? Because Jesus had been raised, the work had been finished, and the spirit was being poured out on all flesh. 
I mean, it was easy to hit Jesus. He's just one target, boom, got him. Float on down like a dove. But man, when the Holy Spirit was released, he was released on all flesh. He was released in that upper room. There was a, there was a mighty sound that took place, man. They were filled with the Spirit. And can I tell you what I think the Spirit said? He said, you are my beloved sons whom I love. In you, I am well pleased. I think he said the same thing that he said to Jesus, you know? But not only was the Spirit poured out on the 120, I believe that great noise in Acts chapter 2 where it says there was a great noise and people came from what? The 10 cities, the Decapolis, all around, people from various backgrounds and speaking various languages and so forth. They all heard this sound. Well, man, I hear sounds all the time. Most of the time, it's my dog barking. <laughs> and, and the only attention that it gets from me is, Maya, please, 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 quiet. You know? <laughs> it was so funny when your boys came over. Man, the, uh, Aiden and Jaden uh, came over last, what was it, Thursday? And they're, how old are they? Three. They're all of about that tall. <laughs> And we said, well, hey, you know, Eric and I wanted to get together. And I said, well, come on, the kids can play with the dogs. Oh, my gosh. When they walked through the door, I thought the dogs were going to play with them. <laughs> because Aiden and Jaden were like this, but Maya and River, about like that, too. Maya's about as thick as both of them put together. And I'm thinking, if I was a dog, I would not be comfortable. <laughs> you know, and they were kind of sleepy, too. So they're a little bit apprehensive, but it wasn't long before they had made themselves at home. They had made themselves at home. Amen. And they were chasing those dogs all over the place. Wasn't long until Chase made himself at home, man. And he was just having a good old time. There's a place where the Holy Spirit, when he's being poured out, he wants to make himself at home. He wants to make himself at home. He doesn't want a little visitation. You see, when that sound came, the Spirit of God was poured out like a mighty rushing wind. Was it poured out only in that upper room? That's my question. I'm thinking with you here this morning. When that sound came, why was it that thousands of people from all around heard this noise and all found themselves congregating in the same place around this upper room. You see, I believe that when the Holy Spirit came down, it was like a nuclear explosion, man. It had an epicenter in that upper room, but man, there were waves that just went out and went out and went out and went out. And I think it, it went out. It was the same Holy Spirit that was in the upper room. It was not just being, it was being poured out on Jesus said what? All flesh, all flesh, just born again flesh, all flesh. Well, what's the difference between a believer and a not believer? One believes and the other doesn't. How's that for simple? You see, because it's all about receiving. Jesus, when he was on the cross, he died for the sins of all humanity. Did he just die for the church? Did he die for the sins of every man, every woman, past, present, and future? So that dirt bag in your life that you just think ought to, you know, 
you thought they were, they were really something, but now you want to crucify them too? Do you know that Jesus died for them? He died for as their sin on the cross. So that when his spirit, his, the spirit, the Holy Spirit is hovering. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. But you have to receive him. You have to receive. I believe that during that 40 days, when the disciples were with Jesus, I think Jesus was telling them. I think he was preparing them. Because they were kind of messed up. Because they thought Jesus was going to come and establish, reestablish an earthly kingdom. And so all of a sudden, there he is on the cross. They don't know what to think. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Thomas, right? Jesus is raised. Thomas, you know, the other disciples have seen it, but Thomas doesn't know. Thomas says, I'll, I will not believe. I'm not just going to not be a non-believer. I am in denial. I will not believe until I see the nail holes, put my finger in, put my hand in his side. I will not believe. And he'd been with Jesus this whole time. I'll bet on the day of Pentecost, Thomas was in that room, and I'll bet he believed. <laughs> I'll bet he received. See, something takes place in the heart of every individual. That, I mean, God wants to, to open our heart. God's not a respecter of persons. He wants to dwell in your heart. If you're watching this video and you haven't come to to know the person and the love of Jesus Christ, if you don't know that he died not only for your sin, but as your sin, you might not even be aware that, that you can have a new beginning. That the Holy Spirit isn't going to come from way out in the universe. And as soon as you say, I accept Jesus as Lord, boom, you know, he's going to come like a mighty rushing wind. No, he's already here. We just have to, what the Bible says, to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge who? Him. And what? He'll direct your path. Well, how's he going to direct your path? Well, that's what the Holy Spirit's for, right? He's to lead us and guide us, teach us the way that we're to go, right? So my question is this, what will it take for you to say yes? To say yes to the Holy Spirit. Because he, he doesn't just want temporary housing. He doesn't just want a Sunday morning visitation. He's looking for a habitation. Because when he has a habitation, you can see a manifestation of his glory. There has to be a vessel that the Holy Spirit pours out through, which takes me back to this. Why did, man, I'll tell you, I got so much stuff in my spirit, I can't even keep up with it this morning. Um, on the day of Pentecost, when that nuclear wave went out, the disciples knew because they'd been with Jesus, they knew what to expect. And they were in a place to yield, to open up, to surrender to the Holy Spirit. Other people were just curious. They were just curious. So the apostles, they received the Holy Spirit. And they went out, led by the Holy Spirit. How many of you know they wouldn't have done that? It wasn't too long ago that 
that, well, 50 days that Peter had denied the Lord Jesus three times at that Lord's Supper. Now, 50 days later, Jesus gone to the cross, bore our sin, raised three days later. Man, now he's poured out that same spirit. Now, now we see the beginning. We saw in the Gospels the work of the Holy Spirit through the head. On the, on the day of Pentecost, we begin to see the work of the Holy Spirit through the body. And who does he speak through? He always uses the crazy one, right? The one that you would least expect. How many of you know Peter, you know, Peter wasn't planning on saying, hey, well, listen, guys, let's draw lots and see who gets to preach the first message. I know we're going to have a good catch today, right? Man, there was something that rose up in Peter because I believe that Peter loved the Lord with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. I believe he went out and wept because after he denied the Lord, he just couldn't believe it because he really loved the Lord. And there are times, man, when we do things and we love God, but, but how did that happen? I can't believe I did that. Any of you have those moments? Man, I love the Lord. How did I do that? I denied him. I, I gave in to this temptation. I sinned here. I sinned there. Oh, bad me, you know? The Holy Spirit is sent to convict a believer of righteousness. He convicts the world of sin. Why? Because we have to repent of our sin. We have to turn from our sin so that we be become sons. But once you become a son, the Holy Spirit's job is not to convict you of your sin. The Holy Spirit's job is not to come up to you and say, hey, you did this. Hey, remember you did this? Oh, hey, you did that. Oh, two, two strikes, one more, you're out. No, the Holy Spirit comes it says in John, it says, the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of righteousness. What does that mean? That means the Holy Spirit's job is when you miss it to say, hey, Buzz, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Remember you're already more than a conqueror. Remember all this stuff works together for you. Put yourself in remembrance. That's what communion's all about, right? Don't, not to put yourself in remembrance of your sin, to put us in remembrance that we're sons. Now, I got one thing, and then I think I'm going to be done with my part. I'm not sure. Those, there were over 3,000 individuals on the day of Pentecost that when this wave of the Holy Spirit, remember it was the dove with Jesus, but it was the wave with the apostles. When this thing, when the Holy Spirit came, man, you could feel it from miles around. Most people didn't know what was going on, but it was like, man, we've, this is different. We've got to see what this is. When I was a kid, man, if we heard a fire alarm, remember Deborah? We, we'd hear a fire alarm. Man, I could get from upstairs on my bike and down the street just as fast as you, as you could think because I wanted to know where the fire was. I don't know why as a kid. Just, you know, I have no, just curiosity, I guess. Uh, thrill of adventure or something. But when, when these individuals heard this, something on the inside of them said, I need to find out what that is. I need to go wherever that is because it's so significant. I've never experienced. Do you know that the Holy Spirit was already preparing the ground? He was already preparing the ground. And so when Peter got up and began to preach the gospel, guess what? They weren't just hearing the gospel. They had experienced something that they had never experienced before. 
Because the Holy Spirit's job, listen, the Holy Spirit's job to an unbeliever is to convict them of sin. The Holy Spirit's job to a believer is to convict us of righteousness. Okay? So if the Holy Spirit is poured out in the upper room upon believers, what's he going to do? He's going to convict them of righteousness. You are my sons whom I love, and you I am well pleased. And man, he just pours his love out, right? But that same Holy Spirit's being poured out upon all flesh. If you're not a born-again believer, what's his job? To convict us of sin. What does that mean? Make you feel like a dirty rat? Make you feel like scum because, you, because you've, you've sinned or something like that? No. The word convict simply means to, to, to cause a very deep personal awareness of. Can I say that? To cause a very deep personal awareness of. That was really good, God, because I was wondering what the definition was. <laughs> I didn't know what was going to come out. I said, Lord, I need something quick. <laughs> so it's, it's to cause a deep personal awareness of. So when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon a believer, you have a deep personal awareness of his presence. When the Holy Spirit is poured out and he's moving in a community, and I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to move in our communities. I believe the Lord is sharing something, this word this morning because his spirit is being poured out in our community. Okay, and so he's getting us ready as the church, but he's also getting the community ready for him. He's getting the community ready for you. All right, because we're here less than 120 in this lower room, right? And we're praying and the Holy Spirit is, is being poured out. And man, there are people that you think, man, they'll never come to Jesus. Wait till they hear the sound. Wait till they hear the sound. People, I'm amazed because Jesus said, if they don't see signs and wonders, they weren't even going to believe Jesus. I'm saying, what chance have I got? If they didn't believe Jesus with signs and wonders, I need the whole, I need signs and wonders and more. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. I need to receive the Holy Spirit so that I can know what my identity is. Because if I don't know what my identity is, how am I going to share that with somebody else? Why should I want to be a Christian if I'm just going to be like you? <laughs> I mean, sad to say, but for a lot of us, it's true. There's, there, there should be a difference. There's, there's a change that takes place. I'm just, God, you're just moving. Move. I can't keep up with it. Can't keep up with it. I'm going back to Jesus. <laughs> you know, I've got boom, 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 boom. Going back to Jesus, you know, watching the Netflix series. Y'all forgot about that, didn't you? So did I. Um, and so all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to move. So Jesus has to be obedient. He has to be obedient to what the Spirit is, is saying, what he's doing. If the Spirit said, stay, stay. If the Spirit says, go, go. Okay? If the Spirit says, roll away the stone, roll away the stone. But be led by the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. See, something happens. Oh, Lord, how am I going to finish this? I got like three stories that are going. I don't know how to finish them. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Huh? Oh, thanks. 
So the Holy Spirit, he's always inviting. He's always inviting. He's always inviting you to your next experience with his goodness. No matter where you are, he's always inviting you to your next experience with his goodness. And for some of you, that that means, you know, taking out the, uh, you know, the, the, what's the light on at Motel 6 that will leave the light on for you? It's time to take occupancy (laughs) and allow that light to shine in you and for you to be Motel 6 for somebody else to let your light shine so that others can come and receive, right? Because when they're in your presence, guess what? The Holy Spirit is there to convict them of sin. And again, that doesn't mean dirtbag. The word repent means to change the way you think. It doesn't mean to feel remorseful or sorrowful or just bad down and depressed. That's not what it means to repent. Repent means to change the way you think. And so when the Holy Spirit is coming upon um, the Decapolis around, you know, where the upper room was in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit is causing a, a deep awareness of his presence that causes the multitude to change the way they think, to change the way they see Jesus. So that when Peter gets up and he begins to share, they say yes, right? And so the 3,000 people are born again. And guess what? These guys, we like to do this. I, I, I love it when the Holy Spirit moves. And, you know, you, you, the people they said when they saw Jesus said, uh, the, they, they saw the 120, they said, man, these men are drunk. He says, no, they can't be drunk. It's just nine o'clock in the morning says, man, these men aren't drunk, as you suppose. They're filled with the Spirit. Now, this is what I want to say, and you got to hear me, okay? Because God likes his children. He wants us to experience joy. But why does he allow us to do that? Because when you're filled with the Spirit... We can be led by the Spirit, walk in the strength of the Spirit. And listen, these 120 that were on the ground, rolling, laughing, whatever I mean, they were just full of the Holy Ghost. It wasn't, but an hour or so later, that they're out there preaching the gospel and they are water baptizing. Water baptizing 3,000 people. How many of you know if today we were going to go out and baptize 3,000 people, I need something to fill me up? <laughs> Amen. I need a filling. I need, I need the Holy Spirit to come and, and, and fill me to overflowing so that I, I'm willing and I'm able and the Holy Spirit will do that. But you've got to take that first step. You've got to, you, we, we've, we've got to be, um, We've got to be courageous. We've got to be confident, not in ourselves. I'm, I have no confidence in the flesh, zero. My confidence is in the Lord. Can I tell you, I was so afraid I was messed up this morning. That I redid my PowerPoint and I redid my whole message because the Lord spoke one word and the word was comfortable. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, okay, so we're going to talk about not being comfortable, you know. Little did I know that as soon as I got done, I jumped in a quick cold shower and got dressed, came over here. And I've been, honestly, my flesh is really uncomfortable, but I have so, I have so much peace. I have so much peace in my spirit. I have so much peace in my spirit. 
you know? Because the Holy Spirit is inviting. And I want you to know this. Let me know if I left any open loops because I guess I'm responsible. (laughs) But God is pouring out his spirit in our community. He's pouring out his spirit in our community right now. And listen, I think it's significant, don't you? This is Palm Sunday. It's Easter next week. Man, what, what's God up to? I don't know. I think it's good. I think it has everything to do with resurrection life, don't you? Yeah. So this wind of the Spirit, oh, don't get me going there. I got another story. But real quick, when you've heard it before, this wind of the spirit, (laughs) I am glad I didn't hear that. This wind of the spirit is blowing in a boneyard this morning. This wind of the spirit, you know, 2000 years ago, 120 were gathered in the upper room and they were waiting. They were praying. 2000 years later, that church looks like a boneyard. Pieces here and there, church not connected. Don't know what our mission is, don't know what our purpose is. We're here waiting on Jesus to come so that we don't have to shine our light. And the Holy Spirit is being poured out like a mighty rushing wind. He's coming. And the first thing that he's doing is that whole Ezekiel 37 thing, right? Bone is coming to bone, you know? Finger bone finding its, hey, wondered how that was going to come back. But the finger bone is finding its, its place back on the hand. The wind of the Spirit is, is blowing and the body is coming back together. Then the wind of the Spirit is going to blow into that body and raise it up. It's going to be a, a great and mighty army. Woo! I'm excited about that. Amen? Amen? So, how do we position ourselves? We have to be willing to wait when God says wait. We have to be willing to go when God says go. We've got to be willing to say what God says. And listen, it's not about you. We've been called to be ministers of reconciliation. So do we get to enjoy the presence of the Lord? Oh, you bet. We sure do. But that is preparation. That is preparation for laborers who are going out into a harvest filled with the Holy Spirit. Because this nuclear bomb, man, it's going off everywhere. It's going off everywhere. And people are primed. People are ready. Man, I I never thought that I would be alive at a time like this. I never thought that I would see some of the things that I'm seeing in my life right now. In our country, in our government, all over the place, man. It's It's just different than anything I ever imagined. It's like our eyes have been opened. I said, where did that come from? And then the Holy Spirit begins to speak and says, it's for a time such as this that I have brought my church together. It's for a time such as this. Can I tell you, all the saints that have gone before us are looking over the balconies of heaven and getting ready to watch Acts chapter 29 take place. Why? It's not, it's the acts of the Holy Spirit through the head. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit through the body. And in the 21st century, it's the acts of the Holy Spirit through his church. To those 
who will say yes. To those who will say yes. To those who are willing to say no to the things of this world. To those who, it's okay to be afraid, but you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You'll receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And in his presence is what? Fullness of joy. Guess what the power of the Holy Spirit is? It's joy. It's joy. Need to understand that. It's the strength of the gospel. And so, I don't know what God's getting ready to do. All I know is what's in my heart. All I know is that when I pray, I feel like the Lord's saying, if the church doesn't do anything, this generation will have to give an account because we're stewards of our generation. We can't look at what's going on out there in the world and say, I need raptured out of here. <laughs> you know, like yesterday. Do you want to know how we got to where we are today? We got to where we are today because the church did nothing yesterday. When our republic was formed, men and women of God formed a constitution and said that we are one nation under God, individual or indivisible with liberty and justice for all. You see, if we take the Great Commission along with our Constitution and the Great Commandment to love, oh my. If we would be doers of the word and not hearers, if we would leave the four walls of the building and go into the seven or the four uh, corners of the world, into the seven fields of influence, which are spirituality, uh, family, business, uh, government, media, uh, entertainment, and the arts. I might have skipped one. I'm not sure. But, but we're supposed to be in those fields. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's pouring. He's pouring out His Spirit. He's convicting the world of sin. He's convicting us of righteousness so that we can go and give what we've been given. Okay? Only when we give what's been given can people even receive right? You, they got to have something to receive. So the Holy Spirit, he's not holding back. He's ready. Are you ready to receive? Are you ready to, are you ready to receive right now? Are you ready to receive? You see, until you receive, you don't have anything to give. Okay. You don't have anything to give, but once you've received, hallelujah, you have something to give. Freely we have received, freely we give, right? Okay, well, that's a wrap. I just feel the Holy Spirit just kind of right there, okay? So I want to stop. Let's stand. I don't know where we go from here. Yeah. But like I said, at the beginning of the service, I said there are times where it's show and tell, and there's times where it's tell and show. And I had no idea that, you know, this was the direction that the Lord was going to go this morning, but I'm okay with that. I'm still going to do my PowerPoints. <laughs> One day, maybe I'll use them. Who knows? Um, I'm learning something. <laughs> but what we're really learning is how to lean on the Holy Spirit. You see, how can I bring a message like this to you today if I'm not willing to step into that same place myself? If I'm not willing to come up here 
and say, man, here I am. Holy Spirit, use me. Do whatever you want to do. And I'm going to invite you to do something that I'm not willing to do. That's pretty hypocritical, don't you think? Well, listen, I'm in the same place you are. I'm stretching the same way you are. I'm going to miss. I'm going to forget stories. I'm going to get messed up here and there. It's okay. It's okay. When a child learns how to walk, he doesn't say, hey, I've got legs. I'm going to try it once. And if they don't work, there it goes. I'm not doing it again. None of us would be walking, right? When a child falls down, gets back up. Falls down, gets back up. Maybe does it 10,000 times. See, their legs don't work. All of a sudden, one day he takes a step. That step wasn't possible without the 10,000 falls that took place before it. Hmm? Yeah, they're exercising the muscles. And so it's by reason of use that our senses are exercised to discern good and evil. So we need to begin to exercise our muscles. Yay. (laughs) What's that look like? (laughs) It's trusting him. The first thing that you have to do is this. Um, I I think I'm going to be quiet. We need to labor to enter into his rest. The place that, that God operates from is a place of rest. I can step out here in total whatever land, but can I tell you, I'm rest. I'm resting on the inside. I'm resting on the inside. The Holy Spirit has a habitation. He has a dwelling place, not a Sunday morning visitation. So I want us to, I don't know, we don't, we don't need music. It's helpful, but it's not necessary. I want you right where you are to take some time and invite the Holy Spirit to take up residence in your heart, if you're willing. If you're here this morning and you know you've never, you've never received Jesus, you've never said yes to him, you've, yeah, you, you haven't seen Jesus for who he really is. And, and you're beginning to see it today. Guess what? The Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart right now. The Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart right now, not because he's wanting to call you a sinner. It's he's inviting you to become a son. See, we've got it backwards. He's inviting you to become a son. And so if you feel that tug on your heart today, why not just say yes? Yes, that, the, the reason he convicts you of sin is so that you can change the way you think and realize that he didn't come to send you to hell, that he went as a substitute in your place so that you could become a son. And all you have to do is say yes to sonship and you become an heir with Christ and a joint heir, amen, seated with him in heavenly places. So if you've never done that, I want to invite you. I'm not going to lead you in a prayer. That's pretty superficial in my mind. Ask God. Invite him. Invite him into your life. Thanks for listening to Streams from the River from the River Church RVA in Chester, Virginia. If you've been blessed by the message and would like to connect deeper with the River Church RVA, please visit our website at riverchurchrva.com. Or you can send us an email, share your testimonies, prayer requests, or general correspondence to family at riverchurchrva.com. Again, that's family at riverchurchrva.com. Have a blessed day, and we look forward to being with you again next time right here on Streams 
from the river.